the hymn reminds us that Jesus paid a debt, that Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection brought about a new life in us, but also a new life together as his kingdom, that he made a people uh, to be his very own, eager to do what is good. That's what it says in, cha- in Titus chapter 2, that Jesus not only redeemed us, but now he is purifying us uh, to be his very own, a people eager to do what is good. We've been looking together at the parables of Jesus and uh, talking a little bit about this new year, how, what they teach us and how they teach us to be his people uh, and how we live and work together. And so today I want to ask that we would pray uh, that God would speak to each of us uh, so that we would be um, prepared, that we'd be fertile soil, that we'd be ready to listen, and that, we're, and that Jesus would expose some places in our own hearts or maybe we're not living fully for him. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask that you would speak. Speak by your spirit. Teach us, train us, open our eyes to where we have not been the people you've called us to be. Lord, we ask that we would be a kingdom united, united behind our Savior, united in our passion, united in our faithfulness, just as your son was faithful, that we might serve each other in the world proclaiming the message of salvation that you've given us in your Son. We pray all of these things in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you um, watch many movies, read books. I don't know if that's kind of your thing. Uh, and I don't know if you do. Do you have a particular genre that you like? You know, or some of you guys are the action stuff. Some of you like maybe the more rom-coms, romantic comedy type of things. Some of you guys like a, you might like a good mystery. Yeah, a good whodunit, you know, right? I mean, something that's a little bit more along. I, I like a good mystery. Even when I was a kid, I tried to read Sherlock Holmes. They're a little bit hard for a kid. I've got to be honest. Sometimes I'm like, I never quite knew what was going on. Um, but I, I like a good mystery. Well, sometimes we come to the Bible and we're kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to read the Bible. It's not as good as my good, you know, novel or as good as a movie or something like that. And yet God's word is full of some stuff and full of great things that he wants to teach us. And if you'll allow me this morning... I think God's word, could we kind of read it like a good whodunit, a good little mystery. So today we're going to look at a parable of Jesus. We're going to look at an episode because this parable comes in a context. And we're going to look at it as if it were kind of like a little bit of a mystery novel. So join me uh, in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 22. And it says, They brought to him, that's to Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was both blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. You you see the context right away. They brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and blind. This demon had stripped him of being able to communicate and be able to interact uh, with the world. And Jesus healed him. He was able to see and talk. It says in verse 23, And all of the people were astonished and asked this question, Could this be the son of David, the promised Messiah, the one who is going to come? In verse 24, it goes on. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who wanted to make sure everything was done exactly right, they heard this and they said, well, it's only by Beelzebub, uh, the the prince of the demons, uh, that this fellow drives out demons. Well, Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, 
Every kingdom that's divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household that's divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? Verse 27, and if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, then whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. Verse 29, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Did you see it? Did you see the mystery? Did you see it? Okay, let's look a little closer. Let's investigate this like a little mystery. Maybe you didn't quite see it. Maybe it didn't fit all the, all the pieces of your genre, um, uh, of, of that genre. But I think it's actually in there more than you think. Let's investigate for a second. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 22. It says, They brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both see and talk. Now, guys... <laughs> To you and me, this is a healing, this is a great miracle, this is something good because of how we approach Jesus. But in the moment, those Pharisees, those religious leaders, kind of saw this as, well, was this the crime? Well, was this, the, this the, the action piece? Something had happened, something unexpected, something unusual. The kingdom of God all of a sudden had broken into time. Jesus, the Son of God, the powerful Son of God, was interacting with his people. God had come to help his people. And it was unusual. It was unexpected. It was not in the norm. And for the people, the reactions for some of them uh, was one of, well, wait a second, what just went on? This is not okay. Now, for us, this is not a crime. Jesus healed the man. He's not no longer blind. He's no longer mute. He's no longer um, <clears throat> possessed by this devil. Jesus has set him free. But all of a sudden, strangely, the people reacted as if this was, well, something wrong, something almost criminal. Uh, look at how they responded. Verse 12, they responded with the question. Um, all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? This all of a sudden became the issue. What has just happened among us? Now, I, I got to be honest. We haven't seen much of that happen here. I, I, I mean, if this Sunday morning someone had come in that was demon-possessed, and all of a sudden everybody's going to be looking at me, and I'm going to be like, I'm looking at you. I'm going to look at the Lord. I, I, what happens? This was unsettling. This was unusual. And for Jesus to be able to speak a word, for Jesus to be, it doesn't tell us in the scripture how Jesus healed. Did Jesus touch his eyes? Did Jesus just command the demon to go? Did Jesus... I, we see through the other accounts of Jesus interacting with these demon positions that the powerful Son of God just had to speak a word. The powerful Son of God would send the demons fleeing. They would often come begging him for mercy. You remember in Mark chapter 4 when Legion came running and the legion of demons that possessed this guy, legion is what he called himself, that represent the most powerful of the Roman armies, came begging Jesus, what do you want with us, Son of God? Please, begging on his knees, please don't harm us. Please don't send us into the abyss. When God moves, when God works, 
it often is unsettling for our norms, for our typical days, for how we want things to happen. When the kingdom of God comes, when it comes in our midst and comes in power, sometimes we react like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, I don't understand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Could this be the son of David? Could this truly be the Messiah? Could this truly be God among us? Brothers and sisters, we often react that way, don't we? When God begins to move, don't we begin to look for faults? Don't we begin to look for, ooh, I don't know, that's uncomfortable. Oh, that's not the way I would expect it to be. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Have any of you seen the, that, that, that film, the Jesus Revolution film that came out not too long ago? Any you guys saw that? It was about sort of the birth of some of the, the charismatic movement, so sort of the United States, right? Um, and, and so it's got some things that for the traditional church people, they were like pretty unsettled by things. And, and, and as the, um, and it was of course, you know, during the 60s, I mean, the hippies were all around and boys had long hair all of a sudden and, you know, people were not dressing the, 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 in the norms. And the <clears throat> I didn't remember these. I, <clears throat> not even though all my students start, have now started to think that I would. I, I was not there. Some of you, though, might remember some of these events. <clears throat> I've got some hands. You, you don't have to identify yourself, Roy. It's okay. Uh, uh, some of you remember these events. And, and in the church, all of a sudden, the, the, the members of the church were complaining as people were coming to know Jesus. Um, this was sort of that Jesus people movement, uh, the Japuza, all of that stuff. Um, when all of a sudden, large amounts of people began to choose Jesus out of the hippie movement. And they're like, well, Jesus has got long hair. Okay, but Jesus went around barefoot. It's okay. And in the church, they began to complain. What's happening? Here's all of these people who, who are coming to Jesus that we didn't expect. And, and some of the church members were asking the pastor, say, you can't, you can't have that crowd here. They don't smell like we smell. They don't look like we look. They, 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 their feet are dirty and they're getting the carpet dirty. We just had that carpet replaced. And so the pastor just started washing the feet of all the people who came in the door. It was a movement of God. God was bringing people to himself and it was unsettling. This was one of those moments the powerful Son of God was walking in the midst of the people, and it was unsettling. In fact, some Bible commentators don't think that this was just a, an innocent question of, could this be the Son of God? There's actually, in the Greek, it has a negate, a negator, like, like a negative in this. Like, this couldn't be the Son of God, could it? It's ex really, that would be the better way to translate. I, I mean, this is unexpected. This is an... This can't be, no, this, this can't be the Messiah, the, the, the Messiah coming. This can't be really in the movement of God. This is not how we were expected. We weren't consulted. We weren't asked if this is the right time. This is not really in the right space. We, we, we don't think this is the right way. When God begins to move among us, when God does God things, he doesn't necessarily ask our permission. Okay, he didn't ever. <laughs> he doesn't ask if it would be okay with us. He doesn't ask if this is the, a convenient time. He doesn't ask if this is how we want it to go about. When God begins to move, God just moves. I'm longing to see it. Are you longing to see it? 
So it became for these people truly a whodunit. Not who. They knew who did it. Jesus did it. But who is this guy? Jesus' own disciples had this experience in Mark chapter 4 when they were on the boat and there was a terrible storm and it was so big that the fishermen who spent their whole life on the seas were all of a sudden going, "Uh, we're going to drown here. And Jesus was taking a nap in the boat. Now, this wasn't a big boat. It might be a little bit larger than a Boston Whaler or something. It wasn't huge. And those unsink- they didn't have the Boston Whaler, the unsinkable boats, right? They, they didn't have these boat babies. And they were going down, and they knew it. And they wake Jesus up, and he just, where's your faith? And with a word, shh, peace, be still, the storm quiets down. And the disciples asked, What? Look at verse 41 of chapter 4. He says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this guy? What manner of man is this? Who, that even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this? This is not what they expected the Messiah to be like. And, and if it is the Messiah, how does he have that kind of power? He didn't even pray a prayer. He didn't do some kind of ritual. He just says, be quiet, be still. And the waters were calm. Can you imagine if we, God's people, lived as if the powerful Son of God walks with us, by His Spirit is with us, and can say to any storm, any day, any moment, be quiet. I am embarrassed today. I'm embarrassed today about how many things upset me this week. Things that were not a big deal. Things that were certainly not a big deal for the powerful Son of God. Oh, they bothered me some. Oh, they stressed me at some. Oh, I didn't see how it was going to work out. Oh, I didn't really understand. It all worked out, by the way. I don't think a single one of them didn't work out. But, you know, oh, boy. I remember I made some sigh down in the basement fix, fixing something. and my, trying, Okay, trying to fix something. And <clears throat> my wife was like, okay, what's that sigh about? <laughs> I'm like, how many sighs? did we give this week? Am I even ready for the powerful Son of God to turn over the apple cart? Am I even ready for God to move among us? They were asking, not who did it. They know who did it, but who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who were sort of the watchdogs, not only of the law, but the watchdogs of how everybody else was obeying God's law. Was your hair too long? Were your tassels long enough on your garments? Were you at church on time, at the the synagogue? Were you reading your your scrolls once a week? Were you doing all of the, the prescribed regulations in all of the right ways? The Pharisees, these religious leaders, these ones who wanted to make sure everything was done right, they had a theory. Oh, this guy who's coming in here healing the demon-possessed, casting out demons. Oh, it seems powerful. Oh, it seems like it's God. But they had a theory. It was a conspiracy. Conspiracy theory. You've got those. Those are running around right on the, all over the Internet. It was a conspiracy theory. And they said, look, there's a conspiracy out there. We know it. We figured it out. We've seen through it. It says, look, it's only by Beelzebul, well, one of the chief demons that, that, that this guy is f- driving out the demons. He must have made a deal or a bargain with the devil. Hey, devil, give me some power. We'll, we'll, we'll manipulate all the people. We'll trick them. We'll, we'll, we'll deceive them. Well, Jesus responds to this conspiracy theory, well, with the facts, with the facts. Do you remember this guy? 
Okay, it's pretty much deals with you guys that remember the, the Jesus movement would probably also remember Dragnet. You remember the original Dragnet, you know, and, and Sergeant Friday. Some of you guys are looking at me like, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm sorry. Dragnet, I saw it in like syndication, but even when I was a little kid. But the idea was it's just the facts, ma'am. Sergeant Friday was like, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Remember that guy? He just, he just, you don't have to admit, huh? Huh? Joe Friday. Yeah, Joe Friday. Sergeant Joe Friday. Uh, Dragnet. He's what? He carries the bag. Okay. Okay. Some of you guys remember this too well. And um, I don't know if you know what you're admitting to, but okay. Um, just the facts. Jesus says, look, I'm just going to tell you some facts here. Here's the facts. He knew their thoughts. He said, every kingdom that's divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household that's divided against itself will not stand. This is just, this is just a truth. This is just a thing that is a reality all the time. I mean, we know it. Um, yesterday, some of you guys maybe watched some football games. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, playing together, the team's doing what they're supposed to do. We're all pretty excited. Way to go, Ravens. If, if you happen to be a Cowboys fan, you weren't so happy about the week before. <laughs> yeah, they didn't seem to be together. They didn't seem to be in sync with whether the quarterback was throwing the ball and whether the receiver was going for the ball. Didn't ever seem to be in the same place, if you know. Um, You've got to be on the same page. You're going to be a music team? You've got to be on the same page. You've you got to be a corporation? You've got to, have, you've got to be working towards the same goals. This just totally makes sense. Jesus didn't orchestrate them. If you saw from that first verse, they brought to him a man who was deaf and mute, who was demon-possessed. Jesus hadn't, like, set up some kind of scenario to make himself look good. Jesus hadn't orchestrated some kind of, some kind of a, a healer thing. Je Jesus didn't set up a show. This was very much not a conspiracy. But for them, they thought, it's got to be a conspiracy. Jesus answers it, look, the facts are this. So he makes this argument. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can that kingdom stand? That's his first argument. How can a kingdom stand if it's divided against itself? This is not me using the powers of the devil to drive out the devil. How can that kingdom stand? Can we stop for a second? There's a word for us in there. How can a kingdom stand when it's divided against itself? Oh, we see it, right? We see it right now in this nation, right? Uh, we, we see the division that is so sharp and so distinct where family members can't even talk about it. I mean, how many of us have reinstituted rules just in our own households of, <clears throat> we don't talk politics, remember, <laughs> right? We all kind of had to watch that. And brothers and sisters, if you've been watching closely, um, just look at the individual political parties. I mean, let's face facts. There are two Republican parties, and they can't seem to get it together. But did you see how the Democrats, it was the same? There was actually, there's the ones that, oh, Joe Biden's not progressive enough. That was the very, I mean, uh, and, and so some of the people weren't voting his, for, for some of the things he wanted to implement. And the Democrats were, both parties, are, we need four. I think we need four at this point. Um, uh, will that make things better? <laughs> A nation divided against itself, how's it going to stand? We're watching it out there. Brothers and sisters, we don't talk politics here because, honestly, we're part of a kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of God.
We have a home that we're looking forward to. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power of his resurrection, who can transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That's how we stand firm in this life. That's what the Apostle Paul says at the end of chapter 3 in the first part of chapter 1 of Philippians, um, that Christ has called us into this new kingdom, and we're looking forward to that. But brothers and sisters, when we look at our Christian kingdom, well, it's not ours. Kingdoms belong to the king. The Jesus' kingdom, are we not very quickly divided? Are we not very quickly divided uh, about certain interpretations of, of the scripture? Not about the main things, but often about the, the, the sub-things. And yet we will disfellowship. We will say we can't help one another. We're not on the same team. We're not on the same. And so quickly we'll conserve. Oh, they're more charismatic. Oh, they're more liturgical. Oh, they're more high church. Oh, they're, they're more fundamentalist. Oh, they're more liberal. Or, well, there are some places where we can't compromise. There are some places where we have to draw a line in the stand that says, actually, that's not kingdom. You see, Jesus talked about that, right? Um, he talks about that, that, that you are either in his kingdom or you're not. Paul talks about if, you, if there is no resurrection from the dead and in this life only, uh, we have this hope we are to be pitied more than all men. The re resurrection of Jesus is something we can't compromise on. Um, the salvation that is found in him is something we don't compromise on. But there's a whole lot of places where we need to be real careful to, that we're not like too quick to say, oh yeah, that's not really, that, that they're not like us. That's too whatever. We need to be real careful because the Lord, he, he's, been, he's calling out people to be his. I remember growing up, I, I think this was one of my, my challenges growing up. Um, I came from a, a pretty traditional Baptist church, and, and I enjoyed our worship, and we had strong, good preaching, and, and we did things a certain way, and we sang certain hymns. There was this young lady down, the, down at the school that I met. She's real cute. Um, and we started dating and started going out. And she also went to a Baptist church, which that's nifty and convenient, right, you know? Um, but went to her church. And they didn't sing the same songs. In fact, they did some really odd stuff. They had Advent candles. Never had one of those before. I never had an Advent candle. Uh, I thought, candles? I, 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 that, that sounds very Catholic to me. Um, it seemed very unusual to me. Well, I'm so used to that. And they sang songs that were a little higher traditional types of hymns. That I, they, they, I didn't think those were even in the Baptist hymnal. They did things a little different. They were more formal in their worship expression. And it had me scratching my head at first, but then as things went on, I actually began to enjoy. It's like having some diversity, you know, if you're eating the same thing for every meal. Some of you guys, yeah, I'm eating potatoes every time. I'm like, man, bring on something else. I mean, I, I want to try something different. There are these different expressions. There are diff it's the same one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all. But we are called to be people who um, are unified. A kingdom divided against itself can't stand. In our church, 
we need to be unified. In, our, in his kingdom, we need to be unified. Jesus himself prays in, in John 17. Um, uh, this is, comes up a little bit later in the sermon, but I'm going to jump to it now. Um, Jesus himself prays in, in John 17 for us to be one just as the Father is one. Look at this verse. Um, good job, Billy. Uh, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Or, that all of them may be one. Jesus was praying for future believers, his kingdom, us. And he says that we would be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world might believe that you have sent me. Could our disunity, could our constant bickering, could our quick accusations, oh, they're not really believers because they've called women pastors, or they've done this, or they've done that. Could, could some of that be what's keeping the world from recognizing that Christ is among us? Are we more concerned with our doctrinal differences? Are we more concerned with the way that our practices are different? Are we more concerned with our personal hang-ups instead of the kingdom? That all of a sudden our testimony to the world is... is, is wrecked. Let's be careful. Let's be careful where we draw those lines about who we think is in and who we think is out. We have one king and he's the only decider who is his kingdom. All right, now I'm completely lost, so I'm going to go back to where I think I'm supposed to be. All right, point two. Jesus makes a second argument. Jesus makes a second argument. He says in verse 27, Matthew 12, And if, you, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they too will be your judges. What is Jesus talking about? Well, the Pharisees in, the, in Judaism, they had exorcisms. They had people who were trained to do this. Whether they were successful or not, I don't know. But they certainly tried to, to, to call on the name of God and ask him to drive out demons. And Jesus is saying, look, your argument will, will actually work against your own people. If they're successful, why, why is your stuff of God and I am not? No. Jesus points out their hypocrisy. And finally, Jesus gives his solution, his evidence. This is in verse 28. He says this, but if, it's by the, if, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is it. This is the power. This is the Lord has come. God is with us. You can see his evidence. It's happening right here. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that as we move forward as a church, we've been walking through a time of revitalization. We've been walking through growth, and we've pointed out how God has provided us wonderful things like new people helping with music, um, new people coming and being part of the church, uh, people that have come and begin to help and share their gifts. Those are good things. But as we discovered a few weeks ago, when revitalization truly happens, it won't just be numerical growth. It won't just be numbers, uh, financial numbers, people numbers. It won't just be when real revival happens. Oh, you'll, we'll know. When revitalization happens, joy, power, people coming to faith in Christ, we will see more and more of that happening. Are, are, you, are you hungry for that? As we enter 2020, whatever this is, 2024, I don't want it to be same old, same old. Lord, would you move here? Lord, would you move here? 
Lord, would you move? The kingdom of God has really come upon you, Jesus says. He has his evidence. That's what Jesus presents. Uh, verse 29, Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house um, and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. I, this is to fulfill the prophecy. Jesus is talking about himself. He's the one who has come. He's the one who has tied up uh, uh, the strong man. He's the one who has now taken what Satan is holding in captivity. Jesus is coming as the thief, as the robber. Jesus is coming to take what... what, what belongs to Satan and purchasing back, redeeming, rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness and bringing us into his kingdom. That's what it says in Colossians, that Jesus was sent to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of the son he loves. This is what God has accomplished. In Isaiah 61, this is fulfillment of this prophecy. Jesus talking about himself quotes this very passage when he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim freedom from the captives, just like he gave freedom to this young man, and to release from darkness those, uh, release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus has come to set us free. His evidence is here. His evidence is potentially among every one of us if we respond. Well, the application of this is clear. Jesus has got this one, verse 30. So whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Brothers and sisters, I feel like this scripture um, is poignant because it's convicting to me. Because no matter how much church work I do, no matter how many sermons I preach, no matter how many good deeds I do, if it's not filled with the power and presence of God, if it is not actually doing God's work in God's power, then I'm scattering. I'm scattering. He's not, who's not doing it with me. If, if, if you're not for me, uh, then, then I'm scattering. Whoever is not with me, he says, is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. How's your week? Was it a gathering week? Were you representing Jesus in your words and your actions? Because if not, we're scattering. If not, we're scattering. There's no neutral. I want to be neutral. There's no neutral. How are we living each day? So there's some lingering questions. I think Jesus proved his case. I think we know who did it. It was the powerful Son of God. That's his conclusion. And I hope you've come to that conclusion too. Because the lingering question for you is, have you really come to this place where you know that Jesus is King? Where you've given your life to him? Where you're saying, yes, Lord, have your way in me. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says that beyond all question, the mystery from uh, which true godliness springs is great. What is this mystery? Well, it's this, that he, Jesus, has appeared in the flesh, that he was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached at among the nations. He was believed on in the world, and he was taken up to glory. This is the mystery. This is the, 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 the mystery that was revealed in that moment in our story today. This is the mystery that's being revealed in the world always. Jesus has come. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you said, I want the Messiah to be Messiah in me? I want the King of all kings to be my Savior. I want to give myself to him. Today, if you've not given yourself to Jesus, today's your day. 
Would you say yes to Jesus as Savior, as Lord? Number two, I a second question I think is lingering, is are we, I'm talking about you and me, contributing to a divided kingdom? Are we part of the solution are we being part of the problem? Remember what Jesus said, my prayer is that they would be one. Are we quick to say, oh, those guys are Presbyterians over there. The Lutherans are over there. Oh, the Catholics are, oh, the... Are we quick to divide? Are we quick to discount the movement of God? Are we quick to put up barriers for the work of God among us? Or are we seeking to be one in his family? And number three, are we gathering with Jesus? Because if not, we're scattering. I think that's my big question. I think it's always my big question. Today is my work being done for Jesus, for his kingdom, and the power of his spirit. Or am I, am I scattering? Am I diluting the work that God's wanting to do both in me and through me? Am I, am I becoming one more excuse for people not to receive Jesus as their Savior. How are you living today? How will you respond? Well, today, um, the altar is open. Perhaps you're saying, I just need to give my life to Jesus again. I, 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 I'm a Savior. I'm saved. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm a believer. But I just haven't been living like one. I, I need to recommit myself to Him. Or maybe this is for the first time you need to say that this is um, my choice to become a follower of Christ. Or maybe you say, this is where I want to put my life. This is the church that I, I need to be a part of. This is where God is placing me, that I might follow, that I might know. The music team's going to come. They're, they're going to lead us in, a, in another song. A, a song, it's a prayer. It's a prayer that we would be one. But it begins with surrender. It begins with giving your life to Jesus. Would you respond with how Jesus is calling you? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word today. We're thankful for how you uh, weave truth into stories. How the encounters with you changed lives. Lord, I pray that you would encounter us here. Meet us. Change us. God, would you make us one? Would you make us into a, a people that contend as one man for your scriptures? For one man, as one man for the life that is only found in your son. We pray this in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen.